1: God is always seeking after the whosoever's of the world to come to Him. Whoever will admit that they are in need of a Savior.
0: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's core truth.
1: We're going to find our text in Exodus chapter 2, and I entitled this message, Turning the Page. Have you ever wanted to just turn the page in your life? It's where you wanted to just open up a new chapter, maybe tired of the chapter that you're in, Well, of course you have. We all have. It's like leaving elementary school to go to junior high and then moving on to high school and and then graduating. You, You close that chapter and you're opening up a new page. Some went on to college. You know, they're all new pages of life that are filled with, again, new chapters. That's just how life works, obviously. It's page by page, chapter by chapter. But in all of that, one of those chapters is starting a career, right? We had to get out of school. We started a career, an occupation. It's the way that we make a living. I've had many careers in my life, starting in the motorcycle industry as a young man. That was fun for me. I set up new motorcycles out of the crates. I I got to work on and, and ride everything that was sold. Then I started racing motorcycles, got into flat track and TT. And then I advanced in that Honda motorcycle dealership as I worked up to the assistant parts manager. woo Only one problem with that. It wasn't making enough money for me, so I wanted to make more money in something else. So my desire was to get a job in construction, and the Lord opened that new chapter for me. So I turned into that new page. I started laying linoleum floors for a living. Then that graduated to laying hardwood floors. Then another groundbreaking thing happened in my life. I got married. Yes, that was a new chapter for sure. From being single to being in a committed relationship. Then we started a family. We have four kids, as many of you know. That's given us 10 grandchildren. Yes, in life, I've turned many pages, you could say, with many different careers. From managing equipment sales in the equipment industry to being in full-time ministry that, as you can imagine, has consumed many chapters through many seasons of life, from great seasons filled with total blessings to very hard and difficult seasons that were filled with struggle and, and strain, you know, uh, times that where my wife and I wondered, you know, why did we have to go through the certain chapters in our life you know why did certain things happen to us in different seasons you know but the best chapter in our lives by far obviously was very early on when both my wife and I came into a real and a personal relationship with Jesus. We both did that in our teen years, you know, and that turned a page, and that turning of the page has dictated how every other chapter and page would play out throughout our life. From the best of chapters, well to the worst of chapters. But I love that verse that's in 2 Corinthians 5:17. It says, "Therefore, if anyone, any man or woman is in Christ, they become a new creature. All things are passed away and everything becomes new." It's so wonderful to know that no matter how many mistakes that we've made, no matter how many failures or things that have happened to us that we had no control over, that God can make all things new. And that the things that we've done that were wrong and bad and you know horrendous in our life, those things are behind us now, and we can look forward to what lies ahead of us. The Bible's always telling us to walk forward and to not look back. Don't look back at the failures, don't look back at the pains keep looking forward with our eyes stayed upon the Lord. Yes, everything became new to me. For I had allowed so much destruction in my life after the divorce of my parents at age 16. From 16 to 18, I was just on a, a, I guess, a mission of destroying my life. I had become bitter. I had become destructive. Yet in Christ, when I gave my life to him at 18 years old, he made me new once again. He started a refreshing work within my spirit. He allowed me to find what real purpose was in this life. And that surrounded me completely. He allowed me to meet and to marry my wife at that point. That was part of what his wonderful plan was for my life. Yes, Jesus desires us all to turn a page and to start a new chapter when we choose to truly follow him. His new chapter will transcend all other previous chapters in our lives. God made this new chapter available to every person who seeks after him, but we have to choose to want that. It's the same choice for the rich or for the poor. It's the same same choice for the educated or not so educated. It's the same choice to those born on the right side of the tracks or those that were born on the wrong side of the tracks. God is a respecter of no man. He doesn't raise up a man or a woman above one another, and it doesn't matter what our social outlook is. It doesn't matter. All can come to him. Any man, any woman, any race, from any background, God is always seeking after the whosoever's of the world to come to him. Whoever will admit that they are a sinner, whoever will admit that they are in need of a savior, as Jesus put it in John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses of the entire Bible, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have A new life. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, everything became new to me when I did that. Everything. Yes, Jesus came into the world to save sinners just like me, to redeem our lives of all of those who repent from their past, from their failures, from their crimes, from all of their wrongdoings. Yes, now we can have a new lease on life. We can turn a new page. We can start a new chapter in life and start experiencing a new standard of living with a new zeal for life, even for those that have followed the Lord that have somewhat fallen away from that. They can come back. They can be refreshed once again in the Lord. Yes, God wants us to have a new vision for our future. Well, as we continue in this study through the book of Exodus, we are dealing with the making of a man of God for every life under the sun our God has a great purpose for. God has a great purpose for you. God has a great purpose for me. And there's no one that's ever took the breath of life or has their heart beating in their chest with no batteries that God hasn't desired to use in some capacity. I wonder what the eternal God of heaven the creator of everything seen and unseen. The creator has, I wonder what he's purposed for you personally. What plans are objective? What occasion and reason, what point and plan has God desired for you to fulfill? You might think, I don't think he has anything. Well, Well, you're wrong. He has something for each and every one of us. For we are all just one step away from obedience of falling in line with what God wants for us. We're only one step away from that. It's just called obedience. Will you follow me? Will you come to church? You know, will you start learning more about me? Will you spend time in my word every day? Will you open the book? Will you talk to me? See, it's only one step of obedience from God's next chapter for your life. And so it was for this man that we're looking at here in Exodus named Moses, who killed an Egyptian, who was beating a fellow Hebrew. So he stepped in and he was gonna save the day, but he killed that man. And as you remember, Moses, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in all the splendor, you could say, of Egypt. Moses was, as the Bible tells us, highly educated. The Bible tells us he was a man of power and of deeds. Yet Moses came to a crossroads in his life. He came to a fork in the road, you could say. He had to make a decision. Moses knew that he wasn't born an Egyptian, but rather that he was born of a Hebrew, and it must have not just gnawed on his heart on the inside. He tried to deny it, I'm sure, for many years. He tried to deny his true identity. He mu- it must have just driven him absolutely bonkers, you know, trying to be the best that he could be, being raised as the prince in Egypt yet there came a day when Moses could no longer deny who he really was inside. It certainly didn't happen overnight. Actually, it took about 40 years. That's a long time. 40 years of internal struggle inside. Any of you have ever had that internal struggle on just whatever subject it could be? It just never leaves you. You know, you wake up with it, you go to bed with it, you can, yes, you can, you know, get your mind occupied on something else, you can go to Disneyland for the day and not think about it, but then you come back, oh no, there it is again, you go on vacation for a week, you don't think about it, you come back, oh, there it is again. Yes, Moses had four decades of struggle, four decades of denial, four decades of fighting this internal battle, but then it finally was over, it happened. The Bible records his decision in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says, And by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Wow. I wonder if you've got to that point. Where you just are sick and tired of sick and tired of being of the old life. Because sometimes we come to Christ and then we have one foot in Jesus. Oh yes, he's my Savior. I love the Lord. He's forgiving me my past. But we still got the other foot in the world. I kind of liked. Woo-hoo, la vida loca. And we like the little, little hoo-hoo that we get from the things of the past and the things of the world. And we don't fully give up those things that have been vices to us in our life. So we end up with just enough of the world to be unhappy in the Lord and too much of the Lord to be happy in the world. What a miserable place to be. That's where it seems like Moses was until he finally just says, Enough! I'm not gonna go with the passing pleasures of this rich lifestyle anymore. I'm gonna deny all that and pick up to who I really am. I am a Hebrew. Yes, after Moses killed the Egyptian, you know, Pharaoh tried to kill Moses. But Moses escaped to the desert. This, again, turned a page starting another chapter in his life as Moses unknowingly enrolled in UBSD. That, of course, is the university of the backside of the desert. Well, we'll pick up reading in verse 16. And it says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water filled and, uh, and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. So this would happen all the time. The women here, because this guy didn't have any sons, you know, the women were taking care of the flocks and the other shepherds from the surrounding areas would come and drive these women away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Raul, their father, he said, why have you come back so soon today? Because Usually you're there all day because the other shepherds drive you away. Okay, verse 19. So they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. And their dad said to his daughters, more... Uh, you know, uh, where is he then? Well, where is this Egyptian that did all of this? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. Why didn't you invite him to dinner? What's wrong with you girls? You know, didn't I raise you better than that? No, he didn't say that. I'm saying that. Okay, verse 21. Moses was willing to dwell with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses, and she gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. Well, here in verse 15, you know, right before where we started to read, it said that Moses had fled to the land of Midian. Okay, now, who were these Midianites? Well, if we go back to Genesis chapter 23, we're told that Abraham's wife, Sarah, had passed away, as you know. Uh, Then in Genesis 25, Abraham married again. He married a woman named Keturah, and they had several children together. Now, as you know, there are several times in the Bible when we're reading that there is just a host of names. So they'll just go down this name and that name and whatever, giving us what seems like endless genealogies. And as in many times, you know, we'll just start, you know, reading. We kind of skip through these names. And we'll get to the end of them thinking, gee, here I am trying to read my Bible today, get a little devotion in, and I'm reading all these names, you're thinking, what a royal waste of time that was. Well, not necessarily. The reason that God keeps meticulous, I should say, track of all these names in the Bible is because God keeps a historical account of of humanity, and he keeps it down through each generation, all the way back to Adam and Eve. There is no other book of antiquity that does this. So everything that man has ever recorded, no one keeps track of the generations of man like God does in the Bible. That's why we're able to trace the exact bloodline from Adam and Eve through their son Seth, all the way down through Enoch, through Methuselah, who, by the way, was the oldest man in the Bible, he lived to be 969 years old. And an interesting note on Methuselah, uh, his name means when I die, judgment will come. The ladies are going through the book of Genesis. My wife just did a wonderful study on this just last Tuesday. But it says Methuselah's name means when I die, judgment will come. So guess whose grandson Methuselah had? Well, His grandson was Noah, Noah that built Noah's ark, obviously. And when Methuselah died, because his name was, when I die, judgment will come, that's when the great flood happened and it all rained. So if you can imagine, when Noah was done building the ark, they lived a lot longer back then, obviously, it took 100 years for Noah to build the ark. When he closed the door and sealed the door with all the animals inside, Methuselah had taken his last breath, and I believe that as soon as his heart stopped beating, because his name was, when I die, judgment will come, that it started to rain. It's amazing when you go back and look at the framework of the clockwork that God had when that son was born, because when he was born, it turned everything around for Enoch, his father. Well, anyway, that's a whole nother study in itself. But getting back to the genealogies here, they continue down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Judah, down through Boaz, Obed, Jesse, King David, to Solomon. And you can follow that bloodline all the way to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah of the world. Yes, God is a God of details. And we're told in Genesis 25 that the new wife of Abraham is popping out kids like Octomom here. She has six kids. They're all listed in Genesis 25 two. Why do I bring all of this up? You're thinking, why are you bringing all of this up? Because one of Abraham's children through her was named Midian. Hmm, interesting. Just connecting dots for you, for you Bible students. So these people here, the Midianites, are descendants of Abraham. Again, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. So now Moses shows up here to the Midianites. And he shows up at this watering hole here. And here comes the seven daughters of Ruel, who is the priest of Midian. Now, his name is also known as Jethro. That's in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 17 said, there was a confrontation here with these seven sisters that came to water their father's flocks. These other shepherds came in and and pushed these women around. How many of you women know that you get... Pushed around by men at times, you know. people will step in front of you, step over you. uh, Things that happen on the job. And it's just like, here we have it all the way back here in the Bible, in the book of Exodus. These other shepherds come in and and they push them aside. And, hey, get over there, woman. I'm going to water my flocks before you water your flocks. So they basically just come in and take cuts on these ladies. But that, on this day, it didn't happen. Why? Because Mr tall, dark, and handsome, Moses, remember what the Bible says about Moses? That he was beautiful. I think Moses was probably the man's man. He was raised as an Egyptian. He probably worked out. He's probably, give me some duct tape, I'm ripped, you know. He's in the best shape of his life. He's 40 years old, and he's looking good, and all of a sudden, he jumps in, and he does what? He steps in and not only stands up for these women, it appears that he stood up to these guys, with a little bit of that old-fashioned, hey, you want a piece of this? come and get it. And so he takes out all of these guys. And not only did Moses drive away the other shepherds, but then he served these ladies. Oh, ladies, let me serve you. He has become the servant now. He's like, why don't you ladies take a break? You know, you look tired. Oh, I'll, I'll water the flocks for you. And all these sisters were thinking the very same thing. They had to be thinking like, huh. Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome comes in and saves the women here. But they returned home and they told their father everything that happened. They were probably like, Dad, you're not going to believe it. This Egyptian, boom, jumps in, bam, bam, takes out these other guys that have been taking advantage of us all this time. He lays them all out. And then what does he do? He serves us. He told us to sit down, ladies. Take a nap. Have a little bit of rest. Let me serve you and water your flocks for you. Wow, it's like, oh my goodness, you know. Well, the dad just says, well, well, where is he? Well, we left him back at the water hole. What's wrong with you girls? Why didn't you invite him to dinner? Well, at this point, the Bible blows through a very large period of time here with very little information given to us, God just gives us the highlight reel here. It's kind of like when you miss the basketball game, you know, you missed a two-hour basketball game, you turn on the sports channel, and they tell you the obvious. Yes, the Lakers lost again. Oh, they're killing me. Okay, but anyway, that's a whole other story. Well, in the same way, we're just given the facts here. Moses went to dinner, He decides to live in the land of Midian with his family. Well, the dad gives one of the daughters to Moses, and her name was Zipporah. And she has a son in verse 22. I mean, do you see how time is just blowing by here? And Moses names him Gershom, which means a stranger here, for Moses felt like a fish out of water. I mean, imagine for a moment, Moses was raised in Egypt. Egypt was a world-governing empire. It was the center of knowledge at this time. They were the most advanced civilization of the world. Nobody else was building pyramids back then. I mean, who else was building pyramids? It was Egypt. They were above everyone. And now Moses was kicked out of Egypt, and now he's living in the wilderness. And he's become what? A sheep herder? the lowest form of work, I'm sure, you know, his standard of living was nothing like what he was used to before in Egypt. He's living in a tent now. And it's like everything was being served to him before. Now he's the servant. Yes, the man who was mighty in words and deeds was now tending stubborn sheep. But little did Moses know, little did Moses understand, little did Moses comprehend that this training on becoming a servant was all in the will of God. He was being trained to now serve others instead of being served himself. For God was going to raise up Moses to lead a stubborn people.
0: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible Teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app, And online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.